Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Project Future podcast. My guest this week is the success spark, Liz Hamlet. Liz is an internationally known coach, business mentor, speaker and podcaster. She's the founder of Spark Succeed Coaching and Consulting and she helps people to get laser focused on their career and business. In this conversation, Liz explains the benefits of starting a business in times of change, how you can get over the fear factor in the idea stage, the five key mindset changes that successful entrepreneurs make, why you shouldn't be apologetic about your pricing, why we should see change as an opportunity, not a threat, why change encourages innovation, the benefits of running your own podcast or indeed appearing on somebody else's, and finally, why you should embrace being yourself. Her best advice is to feel the fear and do it anyway. Let's have a listen. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So I'd love to you to start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you came to start Spark Succeed. Sure. So um, I am what I call a corporate SKP. Um, I had a long corporate career, um, which I sort of had the trimmings of success you know I was taking on more responsibilities you know my team was expanding um and I was sort of growing my responsibilities my budgetary responsibilities and you know the number of people I was responsible for so you know my last corporate role was responsible for 100 staff you know huge you know multiple teams you know huge departments And, you know, during that time, I was sort of always quite interested in supporting people in their development. So, you know, that ended up with me co-founding a Realise Your Career Potential um, programme that didn't exist in my last organisation, which is really supporting people to take that move within the organisation. So, you know, really helping their retention stats and, you know, it's the sort of skills that people don't think about when they're moving up within the organization so you know those interview skills that when you're doing internal interview people often forget that you know not to just assume that the interviewer knows what they're what they do and you know all the great things that they're doing and people often go into internal interviews with quite a different mindset than an external one and we sort of offered a program that also included some mock interviews and we gave, gave some quite honest feedback (laughs) to them (laughs) and you know I I think I saw from that just you know that there's lots of areas you know either in mindset or just people's technique and strategy in terms of their career that you know really they're sort of left um, needing a bit of support and years back I'd done a qualification in coaching so it was really you know for my personal interest really at that time um, it was just quite interesting sort of psychology and mindset and, you know, how we can <laughs> stop ourselves doing things, but also how we can motivate ourselves to do things. And, you know, I was being approached quite a lot to coach people or mentor people internally and sort of within the sector. And this sort of became, you know, more and more an area that I was quite interested in. And, you know, that has led me to where I am now, which is 
I founded in week one of the lockdown, I founded Spark Succeed, (laughs) which is a coaching and um, consulting business. And, you know, interesting time to launch, you know, you might think. And I did have a few people ask me, you know, oh, you sure you don't want to sort of delay this? You know, obviously not knowing what the lockdown would look like in the long term. But actually, I think that I have expanded more globally in terms of what I'm doing. I don't think I would have done a lot of the things that I'm doing now if I I had been working more face to face. And we can talk about that later in terms of my podcast <laughs> and yep, some absolutely. of the things um, I'm doing. But yeah, and you know, what I do now is um, effectively I'm a coach, strategist, uh, speaker and podcaster. So I help leaders to lead better and really get laser focused and design their dream career and business. So, you know, we talk about and your book, obviously, is very much focused on sort of making a business that's going to be successful, that you can grow and that works for you and your customers, um, yep. you know, and that really echoes true with, you know, what I do with my clients. Um, and I'm sort of got a strategy. I work with them. I really help to leverage their existing success, um, whether they're business leaders in the corporate world or sort of running their own business um, and really to spark possibility, to spark motivation and mo- momentum Um, And I'm very passionate about helping budding entrepreneurs to really get their business dream launched. Um, And, you know, I find people sit a lot in the fear factor and the sort of ideas stage. Um, And, you know, I know that you do talk about mindset as well um, in the book. And we can talk about that um, today. Um, So, you know, it's great to be able to join you on the um, Project Future podcast to talk a bit more about that and about sort of, taking people from employee to entrepreneur. Absolutely. And and I love what you've said there in, in terms of, firstly, what you did in the first week of lockdown, because clearly there was a lot of change going on at that time. There was a lot of uncertainty. And that can all often be the best time to do something new and, and to, to yeah. start something new because everybody's kind of in that position where things are changing. So, you know, I, looking looking back to the whole Joe Wicks thing, you know, uh, that that came from absolutely nowhere. And suddenly the schools were closed and you've got half a million kids watching Joe Wicks in the morning, you know, kind of doing, yeah. <laughs> doing, doing, doing PE at nine o'clock. That couldn't have been contrived. I, I dare say they, you know, they had that idea like a fortnight before that this is something they could possibly do. And it's like, OK, let's get a TV studio sorted out in your front room and then we'll take mm. it from there, you know, and and to, to do something just just to kind of have that concepts and think okay I might be able to help people this could be the right time um, and to, to go and do it I, I think it's a it's a wonderful thing yeah absolutely <laughs> but jumping back you know to to your early career I, I can empathize with you a lot in terms of the the mentorship side of things and seeing how members of the team aren't necessarily being maximized in terms of their potential their happiness and yeah. indeed what they can offer to the company as well um, so I think all of that kind of comes together. And, you know, when when, I, when Joe Rawbone was on the show a few weeks ago, you know, she spoke about the, the extrovert bias and how introverts struggle sometimes to be heard within an organization and how yeah. businesses miss out as a result of it. And that's it all comes down to it, doesn't it? It's like whatever the situation is, if, if your people are happy, if they're put in a thriving environment, then I should say they're more likely to stay. Um, and the, the business is more likely to succeed. But equally, by going through exercises like that, they might realise that their future lies elsewhere, effectively. Yes, yeah. And I think that's why often some organisations are a bit nervous <laughs> to do any, you know, too much development in, the, yeah. you know, losing. And I think the whole part of sort of continuing to grow and sort of be agile as a business is that this talent is sort of going through and leaving and you know bringing in its place and space for new ideas and you know you know different minds and you know I I see a lot of organizations where there's it's very stagnant there's not much churn and actually you don't really see any innovation yep indeed and that in itself has long-term consequences <laughs> doesn't yeah, exactly. it because the, the innovation will be taking place in that sector and uh it, it just might not be within your business so yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating point and indeed something we could we could stay on uh but but let's move on to to mindset i so say you touched on it yeah. a couple of a couple of minutes ago 
And I'd love to know because there's five key mindset changes that you think entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs need and, and indeed the banana skins to avoid. So I wonder if you can just go through those for us now. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the things is um, that people really um, struggle with when they're taking that leap from um, employee to um, entrepreneur is the fact that they have no one to ask what to do so you know that's fantastic you know that's a great amount of freedom (laughs) and you know that's one of the sort of big draws of being your own boss but you know on the flip side there's no one to ask what to do so you know you are there with all these ideas or challenges that you will have you know when you're running your own business and actually the the benefit of when you're in an office environment or a sort of corporate environment is not only have you got, a, you know, a line manager or, you know, leader, head of service, you know, whoever you are um, reporting to, to sort of share your ideas and sort of really be a sounding board. But you've also got your colleagues. So, you know, to to really, you know, act as that sounding board and, you know, tell you if your idea is totally bonkers <laughs> um, <laughs> or whether this is actually something that, um, you know, has got legs. And um, I think that's people struggle with that. You know, they there's two sides um, to that. There's the sort of <laughs> the upside of that, which really is um, to, you know, have some freedom and be able to do um, as you wish. But, you know, you've, you've you're really missing out and I think that's why and I was listening to your episode with Jane Rogers which was talking about the sort of real um, benefit of your network as a um, business owner and sort of networking and using that group of people to really build your own sounding boards you know and people from different sectors running different types of business so I think that is really key and I think the other thing is not just leaning on the area that you like and I I did hear you talking um, about this in the previous podcast episode you were really talking about you know not just sort of focusing on the the nice areas of um, business you know if um, if you know that there's an area that we're really not good at you know either learn how to do that or to bring in help so you know outsource that Um, and I know you were um, really talking about that yourself and you know being that jack of all trades you know as a a corporate escapee myself I knew that if I had a technical issue something wasn't working I had a whole IT team that I could fall back on to sort out you know connection issues or (laughs) things that weren't working and you know as a um, business owner you you are your own IT you are your own marketing team you're your own accountant you're your own (laughs) it's a huge challenge isn't it especially in the early days to kind of have to take on all of those things and depending on your role as an employee you may not even know that a lot of those things exist in the background you know a lot of these things just you know you think about like a referee in sports and things if they're doing the job properly you don't notice they're there and it's uh, I think it's the same a lot in in a big organization especially if your job's to deliver projects for example then you're not aware of the work that the bid the bid team are doing in the background to to get those contracts over the lines you're just kind of presented with this new uh idea or or this new project you're just you're just giving it and so there you go go and get started you've got no idea that for six months or a year beforehand there's been all this kind of ongoing back and forth with a potential client there's been kind of a tendering process you know it's all kind of done for you in the background um so so yeah it's it's so true and yeah i think jane in episode 35 made some fantastic points about the value of a network and how you can kind of get over the loneliness sometimes um but then also have that have that support network and you know having people that you can potentially help out and that will 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 help you um as well in in different areas and then of course there is kind of outsourcing and hopefully further down the line you know bringing on staff and things like that but I, i i think with everything with everything i think it's it's okay to have some knowledge even if it's only like 10 percent of you know the knowledge of solving the problem yeah but but i think to to have an idea because if you don't have even an overview of it then how are you going to know if you're getting the right person in to fix it or whether yes. they're char- charging <laughs> you the right amount of money so exactly. yeah <laughs> so you have to have some skills I, I think even if it's just kind of 
knowing what it is that you're looking to to have resolved and and yeah. you know, and roughly the market rate and the the type of person you should have do it <laughs> absolutely yeah definitely um and then the next mindset shift really with making the move from employee to entrepreneur is getting uncomfortable um you know that fact that uncomfortable is actually your new comfort zone um you know you've got to get used to being uncomfortable effectively um, and breaking some rules and actually to enjoy breaking some rules um you know you've worked within a framework being in a corporate you know and I know you will like your frameworks being a project management expert (laughs) (laughs) and the thought of breaking some rules for you is probably um, one of the areas that you know feels slightly uncomfortable um (laughs) You know, we always talk about thinking outside the box. But actually, when you are launching a business or, you know, you have your own business, often there isn't any box at all. <laughs> so, you know, it's not about, um, you know, it's about totally rehashing or totally um, starting a new, um, fresh of your service and, you know, how you're working with your clients. And whilst you can learn from other people, you know, you are offering um, we hope a quite a you know um, independent bespoke service you know that's quite um, niche to you, and you know you can't think within a box. You have you know you have to just think of all sorts of ideas, um, and I think along with that comes developing a thick skin. So you know really running your own business takes courage, and we've talked about that, haven't we? That fear of taking that first leap outside of the your corporate role where you had a set salary that was coming in every month you know you knew where you were there might be some changes but you know it was within a certain sort of confine um and actually your ability to go forward in even despite rejection or um you know skepticism you know often when you're talking about your business idea initially there might be people that are saying or are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to leave this job <laughs> to yep. set up this business, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think, you know, that thick skin is something you do need to develop. And I think it's important, you know, obviously your book talks a lot about testing ideas out. And I think, you know, that is definitely a key thing. But I think it's also knowing that, you know, your service and your product is not necessarily going to be for everyone (laughs) but um you know having that thick skin to sort of take on board actually things that are going to be helpful to you and sort of the helpful feedback but actually you know there might be some things that you choose not to listen to and that's fine you know as long as you're sort of taking those you know the correct judgment in terms of decisions I mean what's your thoughts on on that on the sort of uncomfortable is your new comfortable (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I think it, it has to be, you know, you, you have to be first willing to make that jump, you know, and if you're willing to make that jump, then you can make it work. And one of the things I was I was thinking as you were speaking there was, you know, the, the difference in, in terms of the mindset of exchanging your time for money effectively, yeah. as, as you do as an employee, and more exchanging, you know, what you do, and thinking of the value that you provide to clients at the other side, uh, yeah. you know, and, and then that could be that's not that doesn't mean you're worth 20 quid an hour or whatever. It means mm. that, you know, what you're providing could be worth thousands of pounds an hour potentially yeah. uh, to to your client. And so to, to make that break between mm. considering, you know, how much your time is worth as as, yeah. as it's kind of defined in a in a salaried position, yeah. um, I think I think is so key. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right in terms of, of testing. I think, mm. you know, the testing can give you clarity, but equally if you're testing with the wrong people, or you've only got a small sample size potentially, yeah. um, then you could get false results. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I think you know, test uh, test ideas before kind of making the leap, but be exactly. absolutely clear that, that the test yeah. that the test is relevant for what it is that you're going to do. Or if it's not a big enough sample, then try and consider a different way of, of getting that clarity. Yeah, and I think not also not being apologetic for what you are charging for your services. Like you're saying, you are charging for the value. It isn't just a sort of exchanging, you know, well, this is going to take me eight hours or, you know, it's really about the value that you're adding through that service. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the the reasons that people fail to sort of bring in new clients is that, you know, they're almost going into that as a pace of trying to convince (laughs) that, you know they're worth it whereas you know instead of actually you know 
putting over why that their service is the perfect solution for that potential client. And, you know, I've had an interesting um, podcast guest on my own podcast this morning, who um, is an expert, Claire Saul, and she's an expert on in the energetics of sales. And the reason why a lot of us fail to sell is because of our mindset and approach to sales and almost going into it as a sort of a process that you're doing to someone rather than <laughs> what you yeah. value you're adding. So. I think that's really key as well is that, you know, not feel and not undercharging as well. I met someone that had her own um, massage business and she was going into large organisations and, you know, massaging them within the office environment. And, you know, her rates were so, you know, way undercharged. And I think, you know, it's it is about that sort of really seeing the value of what you're doing and the sort of, you know, it's not just going in and providing a, a you know, workplace massage and well-being service you know just what the impact positive impact that will have on the workers when people are back in the office and you know I think that's key about you know pricing right and you know not being apologetic for that as well yeah that's a great point and and certainly you know just just thinking of that that massage side of things there's there's so much upside to that in in terms Ooh. of you know, even looking at the retention side of things to show that the the employer cares but then also yeah. you kind of you know how how it'll make you feel for the for the rest yes. of the day and beyond for someone that was terrified when I first had massages done but I've, I've kind of uh, <laughs> seen the, seen the value of it over the years I mean moving on to um the next mindset um it's about numbers don't lie and I know you will be a, a real stalwart for like numbers and you know evidencing um given yep. your background but you know I think it's so important this is one area that I find when people do launch their business they're really like fearful about you know it's like well I don't really understand you know understand that and I've got my accountant at the end of the year to you know look at these and you know do the end of year accounts and you know actually as an employee you know maybe that approach was enough you know just to know what's going in and out um but as an entrepreneur it's really important you know your cash flow is key it's not about what's going in and out but it's understanding you know um forecasting forward you know whilst you might not have too much going out this month next month you might have some you know big bills and you know making sure that you understand that and you really live and breathe those numbers um and also sort of on the flip side of um obviously the finances with numbers you've also got what isn't measured can't be managed so you know really understanding you know for example if people are investing in you know different marketing techniques and not trying everything at once so they can really understand and track what it is that's having the impact so you know don't try everything new in the same month because actually it's going to be quite difficult to unpick you know where the extra revenues come from or you know the increased contacts or you know whatever that looks like so you know I think it's really important to love your numbers and really to measure up in terms of what you're doing and sort of understanding and tracking in the business and I know that will be something that's singing to your playbook it is and and going back to the the forecasting side of things I think you know forecasting is something I've done since the the very start of, of my career you know and depending on the size of the business that that I was working in you'd forecast for a, a different period of time with different variables but I, I think it's a, it's a such a key point to, to kind of forecast forwards but they're not just the finances but then also your capacity for, mm. for for how much you can do so you make a great point about unpicking it if you try and change too much at once that you won't yeah. necessarily know what's working and what isn't but equally that there can only be so much capacity that that you have to try different initiatives over over different periods of time. So, yeah, yeah something that I support wholeheartedly is kind of planning ahead for six months, nine months, whatever it may be, yeah. you know, with having really clear plans in the short term yeah. and then maybe, you know, a bit vaguer plans in the longer term, but then at least mm. knowing what it, what it is that you'll look to cover and then yeah. amending it as you go because the, the real-world yeah. experience will will give that clarity and it may be that something you had planned in nine months' time needs to come forward or or doesn't need doing at all, uh, depending yeah. on what, what, what the real-world experience tells you. Yeah, and that's why, you know, one of the things I find when people launch their own business is they want everything, like, to be that finished article to enable them to feel ready to launch. And actually, you know, I always say part of the first few years and, and actually continuous in business is 
tweaking what you're doing, learning what works, you know, trying new things and, you know, not necessarily like your website is never your finished article. You know, everyone I speak to who runs their own business is always wanting to do updates <laughs> on their website. Yeah. Or, you know, there's never a finished version. So, you know, often that becomes an excuse not to launch because they'll say, well, I can't launch until I've got this, you know, picture perfect website, you know, singing and dancing, bells and whistles. So, you know, I think exactly what you said, it's sort of not allowing those things to become an excuse not to do something. Yeah, absolutely. And I was speaking with a client the other day and I explained to my wife that, you know, we'd spoken about her jewellery business and that he'd looked at, you know, her website and things. And her immediate reaction was, oh, no, it needs an update. It didn't yeah. need an update. It was immaculate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in her mind, it needed yeah. an update, you know. So I think as a business owner, it's never nothing's ever perfect you know so no. there's there's always more that can be done so to, yeah. to hold back you're only holding yourself back really and I think it's about you know not trying all the new things you know like actually you know you can become quite diluted in terms of the impact but you know really if you sort of really go all in with certain sort of techniques or approaches you know then you can measure and then you can make a real impact with those you know try not to have that sort of shiny object syndrome where you're sort of drawn off to like new platforms and new systems and you know all these new things that you can get easily distracted thinking they'll solve your your whole you know business um efficiency issues and um so I think yeah it's about focus as well definitely and I think that sort of leads us on nicely to um the final mindset in terms of taking that leap from employee to entrepreneur which is really taking both a short and long-term view exactly what you were saying so you know having that focus on the strategic um view that long-term view you know where are you going um how you're going to get there you know what the steps needed um you know, this really being what one of my podcast guests referred to as their North Star. So, you know, the thing that keeps them guiding in the right direction, <laughs> even when they're slightly knocked off course. And, you know, obviously seeing that big picture, but being really clear on the smaller steps um, that are needed to reach that North Star um, and being able to actually communicate to those that you're working with, whether that's your clients or whether that's, you know, contractors or um you know, outsourcers, being really clear on communicating that vision and, you know, that plan and keeping everyone sort of driving in the same direction. Yeah, I love it. And they all link together, don't they? You know, even as you you were speaking there, you know, I was thinking back to the what you said about having a thick skin, a a thick skin, because I think they these things all come together. They're not singular, you know, and there'll be interactions between all of them. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's fantastic what you've created there and you know how that can apply throughout the life of an entrepreneur but but certainly mm. when making that transition and being clear on what it is that will be expected of you and and challenged of you and yeah. what you'll need to overcome in order to kind of make that successful so yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic stuff so on the same theme really or on a similar theme mm. change is an opportunity you know i know that we 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 spoke earlier about how you started your business, you know, in a, in a period of massive uncertainty. So yeah. how do you suggest that people look at change as mm. an opportunity rather than as a threat? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important to really sort of first to understand why we fear change um, and the fact that it, this is something so inbuilt in us, <laughs> in our evolution, that, you know, we fear sh- change. And, you know, we we hugely resist change um, because this is enabling us to always stay, and I put like speech marks here, in control. <laughs> if yeah. we don't sort of go any change, you know, if we just stay in our comfort zone, you know, nothing's really different. And actually, Tim Ferriss has got a fantastic quote, which I really love in relation to change, in that he says that we would rather be unhappy than uncertain. So, you know, we'd rather be unhappy in our, you know, boring comfort zone than uncertain with, you know, an uncertain future or, you know, an uncertain change. You know, and I think understanding that um, really when we're faced with change, our brain actually responds to change in the same way that it does an error in that it tries to 
correct <laughs> and try to sort of bring back the status quo. And, you know, once we decide um, understand that, it sort of becomes clearer as to why it can be so uncomfortable to um, really be faced with um, with change. And, you know, we are faced with constant workplace change currently. You know, obviously anyone that was in um, corporate career or even, you know, running their own business at the start of lockdown, things shifted. You know, they would they couldn't see clients. They couldn't go into the office. You know, and that was just a huge change. And in terms of sort of types of workplace change that we see, there's a few. So um, there's three types. So there's um, changes in structure. So that might be changes in our authority relationship. So, you know, new boss or, you know, someone is brought in a new CEO um, or, you know, perhaps our stakeholders change and the way that we engage with our stakeholders internally. Um, and, you know, jobs get redesigned or, you know, spans of control change. So that's the sort of structure changes that we might see in the workplace. And then we've got technology. So you can see, you know, whenever ever people were having to suddenly work from home, you know, there was a lot of technology changes that were needing to happen. We saw the boom of Zoom calls yep. um, and also, you know, the work methods and, you know, equipment even, you know, the equipment that people were using, you know, getting bad bats because they were working from, you know, non-DSE assessed workplaces on the sofa or in a cramped spare room or on the kitchen table. And then finally, the third workplace change that we will see is people so that's really changes in people's attitudes um any expectations or perceptions and the behaviors um and that can often be like whilst the others are sort of destabling actually that could be the thing that makes it most difficult to embrace change when people around you perhaps attitudes don't match your own in terms of a time of change that can be quite isolating I'm really encouraging people to see change, particularly change in the workplace as a positive thing. You know, the fact that this encourages innovation. And we were talking before about, you know, if there's no change in people within an organisation, it can become very stale. You know, this actually change um, promotes skills growth because, you know, people are having to adapt to different situations. Um, and actually, you know, uh, positive people development and an increased morale um, of the workforce. Um, you know, and as we know, anyone that's been through um, perhaps a um, restructure, you know, that whilst there might be, you know, unfortunately roles that go and, and got rid of, there might be new opportunities created. Yep. So I think it's really important for people to um, see that. But I think, you know, that does take a huge shift and reframing how we're actually looking at change. And I talk a lot. Um, I've got a keynote that um, is about change as an opportunity. Thank you for promoting that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is all about, you know, really how you can start to reframe how you're looking at change, sort of moving it from, you know, a change to an opportunity, you know, and really, you know, how that is one of the most powerful things you can do. I mean, there's um, Maya Angelou, fantastic, amazing woman. Um, one of the quotes from her is, if you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, change your attitude. And I think, you know, that is key, you know, and, you know, as Charles Darwin also says, in terms of evolution, so it's not the strongest or the most intelligent who will survive, but those who can best manage change. Yeah. And if we can apply that to every, to work situations, you know, our approach to what's happening in the world at the moment with the pandemic, you know, it's those that can best manage change that are going to be the, the ones that survive. And, yeah, I think that mindset, you know, and I know you talk about mindset um, in more detail in, in your book in terms of sort of launching a business. And I think this is, you know, one of the most powerful things we can do. It's not strategy. It's actually mindset. And Tony Robbins actually said that 80 percent of, of our success is actually down to mindset and psychology. So, you know, the mindset beliefs and only 20 percent is actually down to strategy. So, you know, if we can shift our mindset, you know, just imagine what we can do in terms of, you know, embracing change and, you know, identifying and sort of taking advantage of those opportunities. 
Absolutely. And yeah, I, I do talk about mindset quite, quite strongly in, in Project Future. It's the first chapter. And, you know, I, th- I think I say something towards the end of that chapter to say, you know, if, if you want to stop now, then that's fine. If you can't make those changes or you're not willing to make those changes that you need to to your mindset, then, you know, forget about starting a business, you know, because I think it is that kind of paramount to it. And, and just yeah. going back to what you were saying about people, it really struck a chord with me because you're right, you know, especially in a, in a big organization when there's significant change happening, not everybody's going to agree that it's the, it's the right thing. You know, I've done a lot of work in mergers and acquisitions over the years, which is rapid change, you know, and there'll yeah. be, there'll be a lot of people there. There's always a lot of people that will unfortunately lose out as a result of that. And some others, you know, as, as some people will decide that they, they don't want the deal to happen and that's the end as far as they're concerned. Yeah. But then for others, it does, it does bring a huge amount of opportunity. And I've seen people, yeah. you know, get two or three promotions worth of experience just from being, just being willing to put their hand up and say, I'll get stuck in, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, when the business, the leaders are, are kind of crying out for somebody to take responsibility for something. And, yeah. you know, you can't just kind of get people in off the street to fix stuff. A lot of the time you need to work with the team that are there and, it, it can be a, a great opportunity. And it's one of the things that I really enjoyed the most about, you know, the work that I've done in M&A is really seeing people thrive in that yeah. environment and, and kind of just fast forward their careers, which they wouldn't have done if they if they weren't in that, that environment of rapid change at that time. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really key point. And I think, you know, that's that, you know, you're either on the bus and I won't say under it, but <laughs> or you've got off at the last bus stop. But, you know, I think it's making yep. that decision. And if you don't want to be in that organisation, you know, perhaps it's changed from what you first or, you know, when you first joined, you know, that's fine. But, you know, I think that it becomes quite damaging when people, although they're very negative about change, continue to remain <laughs> in the organisation. And I think yeah. that's when, you know, you've got people at different parts of the change curve in terms of, you know, acceptance or <laughs> depression. Or, um, but, you know, I think um, that is, you know, and that's probably one of the most powerful things you can do as a leader of change is sort of really address those concerns and sort of bring people along with you for the ride. Yeah, it's absolutely key. So, brilliant stuff. I think we could we could go on talking about this topic all day. So let's uh, so let, let's move on to to your podcast because you know I've got forty or so episodes in now, and um, I'm I'm so pleased to be a podcast host, and it, it's you know brought me a wider network and 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 so many opportunities along the way. So I'd love to hear what your experience has been of of being a podcast host, and indeed what you've gained from from being a guest. If there's people out there that haven't been a guest before, so I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. So um, the podcast that I host um, currently is called How to Spark Success, and you know I love these podcast conversations. A bit like yourself, you know, I get to speak to the most amazing people from around the world, and um, you know, I was I was on. To New Zealand this morning and um, for a new podcast guest um, and really in the show I helped to spill some of the secrets and so you can steal some of the secrets of um, global leaders and um, you know and what interests me about their journeys is you know the twists and turns that their careers have taken you know I've had people that have been um, homeless now run you know multi-million pound businesses you know people that have struggled with drugs and alcohol and now are sort of um, doing sort of huge educational programs and you know um, Emmy award-winning voiceover artists and you know TV presenters and you know it's just so interesting to learn what interests them what motivates them and you know sharing that as a free resource with my audience really and my podcast journey started, so that's um, the show that I host um, on my own. Um, but my podcast journey actually started quite early in lockdown um, with a show called Lockdown and Then What, <laughs> which um, I co-hosted with Jose Ucar. Um, and that was um, the first show that we kicked off. And that really got me the interest in podcasting, really. Um, and we recorded that with a live and interactive audience for our sins. So Fantastic. we were, yeah, we were never sure what was going to come up, you know, the questions. <laughs> we also had a guest. So, you know, did a lot of learning, you know, when I listen back to my early episodes of those, you know, it's something that you do sort of, it's a practice art. But, you know, I love 
what podcasters open me up to in terms of opportunity, you know, the sort of audiences um, that I reach. I mean, I've been in the podcast charts repeatedly in Papua New Guinea. I've obviously got <laughs> some really dedicated audience in there. And I was actually, um, I think I was two below Gary V's podcast um nice. which is just amazing in <laughs> um, i love it yeah. being able to look at the look at the yeah. back and, and see yeah. where people have been listening and so I've, I've had i've been all over the place as well i think i've been in about 80 countries now and, and yeah. Uh, yeah you get kind of repeated listeners from the bahamas and things like that if you're listening in the bahamas by the way hello, hello. <laughs> reach, yeah. reach out, sure reach out and tell reach. me who you are <laughs> yeah exactly but, yeah, but you know i think the other thing, you know, for you, I know you've been a guest on other people's podcasts talking about your book, you know, just the benefit of sort of really leveraging other people's audiences as well. Not, you know, solely for sort of <laughs> selfish reasons, but, you know, you being able to share your knowledge and experience with a different audience, um, but also, you know, them getting to know you as perhaps a new person that they hadn't come across before so you know I um that's one of the things that I talk to people about when I'm talking about raising their visibility um and sort of promoting what they're doing and really sort of trying to pave the way for them as a thought leader you know not just a sort of how-to guide type of person but really as someone that questions and you know um is there answering tough questions and you know opening themselves out you know personally as well in terms of you know the information that they're sharing about you know previous experiences so you know I think that's really key um, and really powerful as well in terms of you know your visibility. Yeah absolutely I, I couldn't agree more with what you've just said and it it, it works on so many levels and you know you, you might be seeing somebody else's audience and things but they've brought you on the show because they want to share what you have to offer so i, I don't think you know as a, a guest going on somebody else's show there, there's any negatives at all really because yeah. it, it works it works for both parties and it's uh it, it's kind of helping to share knowledge in that way i think is such a a positive way and i've i've come across all sorts of wonderful people where somebody i knew was on somebody else's podcast and then i've kind of got familiar with them and, and kind of taken it forwards from there so so yeah it's a, it's a great medium and it's something that's growing as well it's 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 thriving we're still in the UK we're still well behind the the US in terms of kind of audience figures and things like that for podcasts and we tend to follow the US in in, in so many things and yeah so if you if you look ahead at kind of what's what's happening there now or what will happen here in kind of 3 or 5 years time so yeah lots of opportunity for from podcasts for for people listening out there so yeah highly recommended <laughs> Definitely. And come and chat to me. You know, if anyone's got any questions for myself or Rob, we would be happy to answer about podcast hosting. <laughs> Fantastic. So so what's the future for you? What's next? What's next? So um, I've been doing a lot more with my corporate clients. So I've got a few um, big events coming up with um, General Assembly who um, are a sort of global learning community and they just do, it's just everything. They do a lot of um, technical stuff, so like UX stuff, um, but they've also done a lot more in terms of mindset and, you know, entrepreneurialism. But, you know, I just love speaking to different communities, you know, um, founders communities, learning communities. Um, and I'm doing a lot more with um, webinars with, corporate clients as well so I've done one recently on change for a large multinational German um, company and they are going through a big transition at the moment and I think you know they were struggling a bit with you know change and you know mindset so that was really um, powerful for them in terms of just having an hour <laughs> focused yep. on change and how they can sort of reframe their mindset to that so, you know, that's an area definitely I want to develop. And also my speaking, you know, just generally my speaking um, bookings, I'm really enjoying. I've got some more sort of different um, audiences. So, like, I did a VIP workshop at a glamping site, which was fantastic. And I'm also Brilliant. in talks with a yoga company to do a um, few sessions with them. So, you know, it's nice to have the mix of the corporate and the founders communities and learning communities as well as things like you know well-being so yeah I'm just excited where that will take me <laughs> yeah and that variety is so key isn't it and you know a lot of those 
opportunities are making opportunities as well. They're not necessarily things that are advertised, are they? It's kind of going out and kind of creating yeah. the opportunity for yourself. So, yeah, it's such, such a key thing. So I wish you every success uh, with everything that you're doing going forward. Thank you. And, uh, but before we go, there's four questions that I ask every guest on the show. So I'd love to yeah. know what the best piece of advice is you'd offer somebody thinking about starting a business today. Yeah, it's feel the fear and do it anyway, because I find people that sit in that fear for, I mean, myself included at the time, you know, thinking, wishing that you would do that and, you know, just being fearful. So, you know, I would say that's normal and don't let that stop you from, you know, creating a, a dream business. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? And and you, you don't need to be, you know, 100% ready, as, as we've said earlier yes. on the show. I think it's just getting started speaking to people about it you know i remember in, in the early phase of project future when i uh, when I, I first made the idea public that i was writing the book you know my, my publisher said to me congratulations you know that's the that's the first key hurdle you've you've yeah. a- announced publicly that this is your intention <laughs> and, yeah every, everything has to start somewhere doesn't it you know so it's uh, yeah it's, it's, it's a great point yeah so definitely. so what do you know now that you you wish you knew either earlier in your career or back in the first week of lockdown in March 2020 when you started your business? I think it probably applies to both. But I would say sort of embrace being yourself. So don't try and be someone else, whether that's, you know, the the archetypal successful business owner or, you know, where you feel like you're putting on behaviours. I think it's, you know, it's much more powerful and impactful to actually be vulnerable, you know, talk about the ups and downs and just, you know, embrace yourself. You know, people want to work with your business because of you. Um, So, you know, just to be yourself, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in the world that we're, the world of work that we're going into, really, where there is, you know, so many micro niches and so many different ways of of going out there to, to be yourself and to, do something that's in your sweet spot or your ikigai spot, however you think of it, you know, I, th- I think it's so important kind of to, yeah. to, to be authentic and to be recognized as the right person to kind of solve those problems and to deliver that solution. So yeah, no, it's a, it's a brilliant point. Yeah. A- and a resource. So a, a book, a podcast, um, you know, anything out there that, that you found useful and you think would really benefit new business owners. Okay, so aside from this podcast, obviously, fantastic resource for if you're thinking of starting your own business, (laughs) Um, I would say my podcast, so the How to Spark Success podcast, available on all um, podcast platforms, um, great free resource um, to steal the success secrets of global leaders. But I think in terms of um, website and sort of other things, um, one of my favourite places is Canva.com. And I know you were talking about sort of outsourcing your design and different things. But, you know, really, this is my favourite for all sorts of types of content, you know, whether that's podcast imagery, whether that's really snazzy presentations, which look much better than PowerPoint, (laughs) Um, or, um, you know, social media posts or, you know, speakers bios or everything it's just fantastic and you don't need to pay for the paid version that there's plenty you know you could plenty you can do on the free version so i would say if you're not using that and you don't have money to employ a graphic designer or someone to do your imagery that is a great resource for you so it's canva c-a-n-v-a dot com yeah, it's a great tip. And it's quite user friendly as well, isn't it? So it's yes. it's quite easy to kind of drag and drop and, and kind of move move yeah. things around. So so yeah, no, it's it's so useful and having that that visual aspect in in your business. So I so I'm I'm very fortunate to have a uh you know a, a freelancer that I work with for mine because I would be absolutely useless at it and I'm not even sure <laughs> I could use Canva because I'm that bad. This, this is yeah. I, I don't have the imagination for it, and I never, I never will. So it's it's something that I'm 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 happy to outsource. But but yeah, for for people with any kind of imagination when it comes to that area, yeah. then yeah, I I can see Canva being very very useful. My wife uses it and loves it. So yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and is there a guest that you'd recommend for a future episode of the show? I I mean I've mentioned her before today, but I think she'd be a fantastic guest, which is Claire Sewell. And it's um, Swell Coaching is her company, but she is the absolute expert on all things mindset relating to sales. Um, And just 
um, intriguing. You know, I'd spent an evening with her on one of her um, masterclasses and, you know, just the two different types of mindsets and, you know, how to deal with people that are saying, you know, I've not got enough time now or I've not got enough money and, you know, what these reject, what might be behind these objections. So, you know, I think she'd be a really interesting person to speak to. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, yeah, really interesting. And I, I think we could we can always dive deeper on mindset. I think there's always more to, to talk about. So, yeah, fantastic suggestion. Thank you very much. And just finally, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go and what should they do? OK, so three main places you'll find me. So LinkedIn, you can find me if just for search for Liz Hamlet. It will come up as Liz Hamlet, the success spark with a nice bright background. So you'll know that's me. So follow or connect. And um, you can also head to the website sparksucceed.co.uk where you can book a call with me. And there's lots of resources. There's also the podcast on there. And finally, if you're an Instagrammer, you can um, find me at at spark.succeed. So that's S-P-A-R-K dot succeed, S-U-C-C-E-E-D. And that's got my link to everything. You can book tickets to the free events, tickets to masterclasses, find the, you know, everything, podcast, etc. So, you know, that's a good place to start. Fantastic. And some great examples of your Canva work as well, I expect. Yes, the will put on the Canva. <laughs> exactly, the imagery, definitely. Uh, thank you so much. It's been lots of fun and really eye-opening speaking with you today. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For my top three takeaways this week, I'm starting with mindset. I explained in Project Future that it took me about two years of being my own boss before I really felt comfortable in that position. It can take longer, or it might indeed never happen. The greater clarity you can have on where you need to get to with your mindset, and having a plan to achieve it, the more successful you're likely to be. I think Liz spoke very eloquently when she detailed those five key mindset changes, and it's well worth listening back if you didn't digest it all at once. Secondly, Seeing Opportunity from Change It's the name of this episode and follows on nicely from Mindset Change because for me, it's a key one. When Liz spoke about the opportunities she's got coming up, I flagged that not many of those opportunities will be advertised. When change happens, those who succeed are those who see the opportunities that arise from a new reality and go out there to make themselves visible to offer a solution to those new problems for their audience. I'd love to hear some examples of where you've achieved this and indeed what you've taken from this conversation to achieve more in the future. And finally, change leading to innovation. I loved Liz's point about how sometimes if there isn't much churn in an organisation, things can become stale and the business then struggles to innovate. It's something I've seen a lot over the years from many different angles, but from the perspective of a new business owner, Often this is your opportunity to make an impact and take market share from an established player. Starting with a blank piece of paper and finding a solution that is optimal for today's market, using today's technology and ways of working, can often lead to startups taking substantial market share from incumbents who may have been offering the same thing for 5 or 10 years. On next week's show, I speak with Mark Jarvis on working hard on smart things. I like to think every episode of this show is eye-opening in some way, and next week is no different. Subscribe now, as you won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.